0: matchup between your two favorite teams and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express you breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge now it's almost tip off and everyone's already on their feet this is gonna be good see how to elevate your live sports experience at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex don't live life without it Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum card. 8 a.m. Wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Much better. 2 p.m. Grab seats for the game. 6 p.m. Book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Terms apply.
1: Hangtime Time Podcast coming to you live Saku Smith from NBA.com, dot com, my main man Lang Whitaker in New York. Yo. I wish people could see me pop locking when the when the intro music comes. Uh-huh. Okay, never mind. We might not want to let people see that. Lang, election week, seismic shift in in uh, the country's fortunes here with uh, your homeboy Donald Trump winning the election. But you were in a much more important place last night at Madison Square Garden for the Battle of the Boroughs. Brandon Jennings got loose, eleven assists in just twenty six minutes off the bench. Is is there a tug of war for the power no. in New York or <laughs> <he said> no. <laughs>
2: no. I mean the Nets are uh the Nets are rebuilding clearly and right. the Knicks are the rebuilding, Knicks have something clearly. they yeah, the Knicks think they have something that they can build on right now. Mm-hmm. Um I mean the Nets didn't also didn't have Jeremy Lynn last night, so the Lin sanity return didn't happen that right. a lot of people are looking forward to. But the Knicks didn't play very well in the first half. In the second half, um, that second team with Brandon and really with they had two different stretches: one with Carmelo in there, and one with mm. Porzingis in there. With the second team, with Jennings and Lance Thomas and Kylo Quinn, like those guys played great and, right. and for the for uh, that whole second half, and and they actually. Uh, Hornacek let him close out the game you know uh, I think Derek Rose and, and Joe Kim Noah didn't even play the the fourth quarter or down the stretch because he said he these guys are rolling we're gonna go with them so the Carmelo got really hot in the third quarter and after the game I asked Brandon um, what is it like to just be on the court when Melo can't miss like that mm. he said at one point Carmelo came over and was like what player we running and he said I told him we're running you we're just, <laughs> we're just running the play for you we're just gonna get you the ball I saw Melo basically <laughs>
1: You see, New York. We've watched Chicago. We've watched Boston. We've watched all these other teams that people assume would, you know, move up. Toronto. You know, DeMar DeRozan's playing well. I think you you haven't mentioned one team. I'm getting to them because the Cavaliers, reigning champs, took their first loss the other night at the Q to your Hawks, and I'm I'm wondering how fired up you are about one November game in a sea of games, obviously. And does that mean anything to you in terms of what you think the Hawks' fortunes might be come playoff time? Uh,
2: yes and no. It, it, it shouldn't matter, right? Because it's, yeah, you know, we're not even a t- one. I mean, you have lost three. 11 straight to them prior <laughs> exactly. to that game. So. But we, aren't, we are, you're barely a tenth of the way into the season, so it sure. shouldn't really make that much of a difference. But I think, I, I mean, I feel pretty safe and sane. I think this Hawks team is better than the team was a year ago. Um, and they have different ways to attack, and they're stronger. Through the middle than, than last year's team was. Um, yeah, Dwight a made a huge difference. Yeah, it's a it's a different team swapping out Dwight for Al and and Schroeder for for Teague. They 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 look really good. We I, I texted you the other night. Dwight's <laughs> making Atlanta great again. <laughs> <I know>. <laughs> <laughs> but they they look really good out there, and I I think. Um, it, they, they've – I I, think, I really think it speaks really mostly to, to Mike Budenholzer and yeah. the way he's been able to –
1: He's a really good coach. I, don't, I mean, I, don't, I think that's pretty obvious to people now.
2: Yeah, the way he's incorporated Dwight into I mean, the Hawks just won a back-to-back against Cleveland and Chicago. Right. <laughs> which is hard to do, and, and they did that. So,
1: I will admit the Hawks have been a bit of, surpri- of a surprise. I didn't think – To me too. I didn't think they would surprise me like this, but they've been better than I expected. Schroeder has been – much better than I think some people thought he might be, and Dwight. You know, you forget what kind of physical force he is. Seeing him on the floor with LeBron the other night reminds you they they might be the two biggest physical mismatches at their positions yeah. in the league. And Dwight's not even jumping, getting off the floor as quickly or as high as he did early in his career. And he's, he's still, in, and he's still a monster.
2: He's in. He seems to be in really good shape. Yes. And- And physically, he seems to be the best he's been. His body seems right more so than it's been in a few years. Yeah, I
1: mean, mean, do you really look at the season and start wondering who the true competition is going to be for Cleveland in the East, whereas we thought it might be Toronto, we thought it might be Boston? Is the group larger than we thought maybe, or are the Hawks that team maybe?
2: I think the group's larger than we thought, but I also don't know that there really is competition for the Cavs. I mean, the Hawks won a game um, <laughs> when when the and the Cavs didn't couldn't shoot the other night. They, they they couldn't they they had a bad shooting night, and maybe that was the Hawks' defense. Maybe it was just uh, a bad night for Cleveland. Um, yeah. So you know, we we've seen what happens the last two years in the playoffs when that team is locked in um, against the Hawks and. Uh, you know, maybe they maybe they underestimated the Hawks a little bit the other night. But yeah,
1: I'm getting tired about the way of having to park everything we talk about now and the fact that well, you know, it's only you know eight games in the season. It's like when what's the date
2: that, well, like we, in get two weeks, to, that we get to
1: stop? Using I think that? two
2: weeks, like Thanksgiving. Is that right? It? Like around then, we'll be a quarter of the way. Right. Thanksgiving between Thanksgiving and
1: Christmas to me is always kind of like when the yeah we separate the the little people from the big people. Um,
2: Speaking of the little people, I do think we should, uh, and I'm not going to talk about Greg Wigan, but I, but I do think we should uh, get a Dennis the Menace shirt made up because Dennis Schroeder, he's out there every night and he gets somebody mad at him every single night. He's really
1: good at that, by the way. He's, uh, he's very effective. Speaking of effective, it, yeah, your boy Steph Curry the other night lit it up from deep. Uh, the Pelicans were the victim. He knocks down 13 of his 17 threes, which is preposterous. Finished with 46 points, five rebounds, five assists, two steals. Of course, that was, you know, he broke through from a group that included uh, Donya Marshall, Kobe Bryant, and himself uh, with 12 threes to get the record. I used to kind of I, – I opened it all that Steph hadn't had a 15 or 16 three-point game in his career. I, I'm serious. I, you would think he would have had a game like that by
2: now. Only – no, only because every time that happens, they're so far ahead that yeah. it becomes, you know, it becomes like running up the score to leave him out there. It, 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 the fact that they were able to, that game was close meant that he had to stay out there and they ended up winning by what? 10? I, I think yeah. so, what, 116, 106. Yeah. So it, if, it, if those games where they're up 30, you can't have Steph out there firing up threes, even if it is to get the record. It's True. just, you know, True. so. Uh, the, it's kind of like that game when Kobe went for 80, it, it, the game was close enough that he had to stay in and keep going. And, uh, I think we, we got lucky in that sense that, that it was close enough, by the way, I, I want to throw a shout out. I, I watched on food network, uh, the other day, the cooking with Aisha Curry. I yeah. don't know the name of the show. I don't know what Steph- the name of it is. Steph's a pretty good actor. I, I watched a couple episodes and him pretending that he came home and then she, she <laughs>
1: the pretending
2: well, because the whole premise of the episode I watched was that Steph was it was Steph and uh, his brother Seth was on there and a couple of his friends and
1: yeah, I saw. it. Wait a minute. Pop- what do you mean pretending? Makes- like, are you are you insinuating that these shows are staged? <laughs> you better you better call JoJo Gaines. Cause <laughs> watch your mouth. Don't talk about JoJo like
2: that. You better call Chip and JoJo.
1: <laughs> no, I, I my wife DVRs that show, of course, yeah. because. Why watch a basketball game when you can watch the MVP, two-time MVP's wife cooking? Um, but, yeah, she was she was watching it the other day. And, of course, she didn't realize that Steph had a little brother that played the NBA. She's like, I didn't know his brother played. And I was like, yeah, he's in the NBA. She's like, really? I was like, yeah. He's playing like, pretty well. Daddy, I mean, he's he's actually a player. He's not just some dude, yeah. you know, who showed up and is, you know, riding coattails. I was like, no, he's actually a good player. And uh, so she was really, I mean, she was fired up about that. She loves Aisha Curry, by the way. Aisha Curry has a, a huge follower.
2: I'm going to make some of that maple bacon popcorn. So yeah, I'm good on that. We better uh, we, we see if we can get Aisha on here.
1: You know what? That's not a bad idea. I think i think John Hartzell just gave that the uh, thumbs up behind the glass there. I think he, I'll, I'll talk, I think he agrees. I'll talk food with her. <laughs> um, I, I do want to say, Congratulations to Klay Thompson. He had 18 points in the first quarter of that game. He's back to being Klay after some soul searching and grumbling about his shot earlier this season. Uh, Jeff Case called me the other day. And he's like, hey, what do you think about this Klay Thompson and his shot? And I was thinking, hey, I don't think anything about it. I think he and Steph, when they have a bad game, you, you blink, go to sleep, wake up, and they have a monster game. Steph's 157 game, three-point streak got snapped in that loss yep. to the Lakers. And then he comes back with the record. Thirteen, so it's like I don't, I don't get all distraught, you know, when these guys have a rough game or a couple of games shooting. They're they're the best shooters in the league. They're gonna they're gonna miss every now and then.
2: I looked it up the other day just because I was curious, and I, I didn't post this anywhere. But going back to the finals last year, games uh, five, six, seven, mm-hmm. up until a, a couple of days ago, Clay Thompson had had a stretch. It was about twelve games or so where he. he wasn't shooting. He had one good shooting game in there, but he, it, it wasn't just like a one-time thing. It was a, right. it was a bunch of games in a row. Uh, but I wonder if part of that is these last couple, at least the beginning of this season. You know, the the way they've changed the roles a little bit, and maybe he's not taking the ball from the same spots he was getting a year ago. Um, you know, maybe it's a, a little bit of an adjustment for for not just him and Steph and, and Durant and everyone else involved too.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think when you Put so much emphasis on their shooting, yeah. um, and and they maybe fall victim to that sometime, worrying about making shots, and you know that you get caught up in it when it's really, you know, they're they're a much better team when they're playing defense at a high level, and kind of feeding off of that on the other end, as opposed to their shooting fueling the defense. I don't I don't know why they've gotten away from that, or why it seems like they've gotten away from that. Um, Cause I go back to two years ago when they won the championship, not last year when they won seventy three games. It's just how good they were defensively. I mean, they were unbelievable right. defensively, and it was kind of like the three point shooting was was the whipped cream and sprinkles. It was just the extra part that oh yeah, by the way, <laughs> they're really good defensively. Oh, and by the way, they're the best shooting backcourt we've ever seen. Right. Um, so it'll it'll be interesting to see how they kind of manage the the ebb and flow of this season. But we talked about that loss to the Lakers and. If we're going to chart surprise teams and teams that have really caught our eye early in the season, I would argue that Luke Walton's young Lakers have been a bit of a revelation. I don't know if it's the influence of Metta World Peace, not having Kobe around, um, or what it is. But they look like a a totally different team just from a confidence standpoint. Like, they don't look shy and, and unsure of themselves. They look like a team that's in attack mode. With that in mind, Lang, we're talking about these surprising young Lakers. Let's talk to a guy who knows as much or more about that team than anyone. Bleach Report senior writer Kevin Dean joined us here on the Hang Time Podcast. Kev, I was asking Lang about what has turned this Lakers bunch into a, a, a bubbly, fun crew to watch. And I, I'm wondering, is it more Luke Walton's existence now as their coach, or is it the absence of... Of one Kobe Bean Bryant and all that came with his final season in a Lakers uniform is—is it, is it a bit of both or one maybe stronger than the other?
3: You know, guys, it's for sure, uh, Kobe's presence is, is a huge factor, no question. I mean, the, the whole franchise was centered around the guy, and and always would be as long as he was around. Um, so, so to start with, that is undeniably true. Um, but for sure, Luke's personality, his energy, his caring, um, his ability to make those guys feel cared about, you know, uh, even if he does care, for the guys to know that he cares is, is just as important. I'd say that is uh, undeniable also, that, that those guys are energized and thus the fan base has become energized because there's such a belief in in Luke's ability to want the best for these guys and not just the best for him or bet the best for the franchise or, or or even this year's team there's there's really a feeling around that whole organization now that um, we're trying to do something legitimate and that is tied back into you know freeing yourself from from that tether with with Kobe but also you have to have somewhere to go you know uh, it can't just be like new guy comes in and okay we're gonna just play a new style, and hopefully everything goes well. Luke really has has an idea for what he's doing, and and it, it shows.
1: Yeah,
2: Kevin, I, I mean they're four and four, and it's early. We were just talking about how it's, it's still early in the season, but is this sort of a, a early on overachievement, or is this do you think a building block, and they're they're still gonna continue to improve as this season goes along?
3: Uh, I would say they're better than everybody thought fundamentally uh, going into the season right. because. You know, you, you have a, a group of guys and no no real marquee guys or anything close to a, a, a superstar. So uh, with that inexperience to boot, then you're like, okay, well, this could be the worst team in the league. Uh, right. But the, the depth of talent is clearly higher than, you know, maybe the, the regular pundits from afar appreciated going into the season. and uh, And then you add to that the fact that they're buying in so wholeheartedly so guys actually are trying. You know, you get a lot of bad things, as you guys know, around labor where, where it's sort of going through the motions. You try to get your numbers. You move on to the next day, clock in, you know, and that's not the way it is at all with these guys. They actually are excited to come to practice and get better and, and hope for the best for the guy next to, to them. And that's part of the amazing thing is that we sort of had a, an inkling going into this. Before training camp, Luke was out on the court, you know, playing pickup with the guys and, and in the facility every single day. And that young core group of players was in the facility every day. And so they were, they were building something already, even before training camp. You know, the surprise to me is that since the season has started, some of these older guys or the veteran guys are, are just as, as, as it as those guys are. I mean, you, guys that aren't necessarily going to get to play 30 minutes a game anymore. And, you know, Lou Williams or Nick Young and these guys that, that are just totally buying into – and so that's the interesting thing to me is that Luke has been able to get everybody on board with this. And how long can this continue? As you know, guys never get to play, whatever, 24 minutes a game. You know, and and if you start to develop Angela Russell more, where he's playing 33 minutes a game instead of 28, then you know Lou and Nick don't get to play as much. And are they as invested as they were at the start of the season? Yeah, you guys, you know, the roles change quickly with these NBA teams <laughs> if you're not getting what you want. And so it's on the coach a lot of times more than anybody else to, to keep everybody on board. And and to me that's the curious thing is is do they all stay invested over this entire season and do they all believe that they're accomplishing something uh, you know, in, in just just one season here starting out, or, or do the do the things start to fragment and people start to go astray.
1: Yeah. Kevin Dang, the senior writer from Bleach Report, joining us here on the Hang Time Podcast. Kevin, I'm I'm curious. You watch this group, and the talent's undeniable. Obviously, a lot of these young guys have a lot of talent, but the leadership question is one that strikes me. You mentioned the veterans, Lou um, Swaggy P, all these different guys. Meta, but is and and correct me if I'm wrong. If I'm looking, if I'm not gauging this properly, but is D'Angelo Russell emerging as the guy who's the real? Whether it's quality veteran leadership or or just a young guy, you know, fighting against type, but is he the one emerging as kind of the the pulse of this team? In a basic
3: uh, way, absolutely, because he's got the killer mentality. That he, he's some of the more cutthroat guy who just you know wants to be the best in um, that way for sure. But I'll say this to you guys that I've actually been a little surprised that he hasn't tried harder to seed Sees see that that baton from from Kobe because it's there for him if he wants it. He's viewed as the guy who's going to be the best player in the team, but he's actually dialed it down. Luke has, has made him feel so confident in his leadership place. Luke went in there, you know, in those off-season workouts I was talking about, and he would gather the guys at the end of those sessions and and say, point guard, you know, what do we got? You know, what he he wanted Russell to be the one to say something like one two three team or whatever, even basic. Just to to show that that he had Luke's trust. And Luke has done such a great job making D'Angelo believe that, that D'Angelo hasn't had to go out of his his lane to try to show these guys, well, this is my mentality. I'm the killer. You know, I deserve the ball. All that stuff hasn't happened. So so Luke gets some credit for that, but D'Angelo should get a lot of credit for that too, where he's confident enough not to, you know, over assert himself and to let these other guys have their voices. And, you know, Clarkson is older. Julius Randle is, you know, even though he's 21, he's sort of the mature one of the group. Where he, you know, he's, he's he doesn't care as much about the scene, you know, and mm. and he's engaged to be married. He's got a kid on the way, you know. He's he's the sort of the, the calmer. He goes for it on the court for sure, but off the court, he's sort of the calmer one. And then you have, like you're saying, you know, Wall bangs the leadership voice, you know. Um, Swaggy P has been a weird leadership voice. so was meta. <laughs> um, Lou Williams, a lot, of, a lot of you guys know a lot of, around the league wouldn't have thought Lou Williams could be a leadership veteran guy either. You know, right? Um, so, so just those three guys, those three veteran guys I just mentioned. That's that's somewhat of a surprise that those guys are in that role. Um, but it, it's it's funny that D'Angelo, instead of saying yeah, I I want that, he said I, I don't think it's an individual thing with this team. It, it's a group thing.
2: Kevin, just looking down the road <clears throat> a little bit, I mean, I know this is the, the, the very, very beginning of the Luke Walton era, and it, it's a, a long-term project, and we, they have these young guys, you know, Russell and Randall and Clarkson, all these young pieces in place. Um, they, I think the Lakers still owe two first-round draft picks to, that are going out in the next couple of years. Um, where do you think they improvement with this roster is? Um, Is going to come from down there, free agency, or are they just going to look to within and try to develop what they have? How does this play out down the road?
3: Yeah, well, Lang, there's there's still tons of uncertainty about uh, where they're going to go, because you know you at the at the front office level you still have a total total question mark with what Jim Buss is going to do. His siblings are still working under the assumption that once he reaches this deadline at the end of this current season that he had, you know, he had promised that they would be in contention for a title, and that's not going to happen. So even if they finish 500, which would be, you know, much better than anybody would have expected before the season, he's not going to meet his goal. But is that enough for them to to give him the leeway to stay on, or are they going to hold him to his promise, which they have said before they were going to do? So who knows if that's going to still be there. If if Jim Buss is gone, is Mitch Kupchak going to be gone also? I mean, the working assumption is that they're they're aligned together now, and so they're starting to get some credit for the Lakers being okay instead of terrible. <laughs> um, and so that's the that's the question: is do you know does the franchise want to just then stay on course and say okay, we'll just let let it flow forward from there, and then those guys are trusted to to get that marquee free agent that they haven't been able to get to put the team over the top as these young players. You know, as Brandon Ingram makes this leap from, you know, Mm -hmm. ooh, he's got talent to, wow, he's going to deliver three out of four nights on the court. You know, they're working under the assumption that, what, like three of these guys, you know, probably Russell, Randall, and Ingram, maybe Clarkson, are now believable guys, you know, who, who might be able to be in that, you know, consistent great player range to consistent good player range, and then you... You're, you'll be looking for a superstar from the outside to become
1: a championship team. Kevin, I, I'm looking at the, the weird dynamic now where there was a time, and I would say, I don't know, gee, the last 40 years, where the Clippers always operated in, in the shadow of the Lakers and the pressure to be a championship team and to, you know to play at a high level was always kind of an incumbent for the Lakers. And it seems like it's flipped now. Like we talk about the Lakers in terms of what they might be in the future, what their potential could be, and everybody looks at the Clippers like they got to be a championship team now. Like time's running out. Is, has that leaked into the fan bases for both teams out there now, where the Clippers expect a certain level of play from their group, a championship level of play, and the Lakers kind of have a, a a buffer, knowing that they need time to grow back into that kind of franchise?
3: Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. The the roles have reversed in, the, in that way. But it's funny. I'll say that that you know, the Lakers looking competent <laughs> to start the season has been uh, like hundred to one uh, <laughs> comparison as far as how much fans care out here compared really? to the Clippers being now they're seven and one now wow. and and rolling over people by thirty you know and and their defense looks you know impenetrable and and they're trying you know they're looking like they're having fun which they never used to either you know. But, <laughs> So, so almost everything that you ever wanted from the Clippers, they're starting to deliver, and and yet it, it's understandable to some extent because it's the same cast of characters, and they've never won before, and they've won in the regular season. So, what really new is happening with this team until come playoff time? You know, who is going to to really get that excited about this team accomplishing anything? And yeah. and I was you know I was at the facility and the and the, the arena the other night and. That's the sentiment, even internally, is that the Clippers understand that. They understand the situation they're in. And I don't even think it's so much Blake and Chris and their contracts running out or being able to opt out at the end of the season. It's more just that they have something that other teams don't, in the familiarity and uh, the cohes- cohesiveness that, that they do have, and so they're like, we're going to try to make the most of this in that regard, as opposed to being some sort of deadline. Let's just make the most of it. We were injured last year. We, we got DJ back the year, before, you know, that year we didn't we didn't take advantage of it. We're going to take advantage of it right now. And they're trying so much harder than any other contender, even Cleveland. Uh, they're, they're just trying harder, and, and I think that's a big part of the, the reason for their success. Interesting,
1: Kevin Ding, senior writer from Bleacher Report, joining us here on the Hangtime Podcast. Listen, man, we enjoy talking to you as always uh, about our favorite West Coast teams and uh, enjoy this this weird time. Man, I, I know you you know we've we've all had Kobe around for forever. You you obviously yeah, yeah, yeah. Have been a lot closer to it than anyone else, and it's not like he's showing up to practice like Tim Duncan. I mean, he's literally ghost out there now, isn't I mean, I, I nobody's seen him around Lakers practice or anything, have they?
3: No, no, no. And 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 to be honest, uh, I wouldn't have expected it any other way because mm-hmm. he's so determined to to maximize his life. Uh how whatever he's doing, that you know, you knew when he was out he was gonna be out and uh and he wasn't gonna be halfway or or come visiting by to, to relive his glory days. I mean, he was gonna move on and you know, you
1: guys know his mentality, so so yeah, that's that's the way he lives for sure. No doubt. Appreciate it, kid. All right guys, take care. Take care, man. Thanks, Kevin. Enough of this glowing talk about the Lakers. It's early in the season yet. (laughs) And who better to poke a hole in that bubble than our main man, John Schumann, with his weekly Schumann stat. Back this week with the smartest man in basketball, John Schumann, and our weekly Schumann stat here on the Hangtime Podcast. Shoo, we've been talking Lakers, and I like watching young hyper teams that you don't know what the heck they're going to do next but are are we missing a few things in in all of this glowing praise we have for Luke Walton's team early in the season
4: I will say this statistically in regards to improvement they're top 10 top 5 team on both ends of the floor so and when I say that I say that they're the second most they're the second <laughs> most improved offensive team in the league and they're the fifth most improved defensively team in the league now most of that is because they were so awful last year
2: <laughs> I was say.
4: 29th, 29th ranked offense and the 30th ranked defense so when you're down there you got obviously have nowhere to go but up and you could have said the same thing about the knicks last year and their sort of improvement hmm. um but the one thing i'm a little skeptical skeptical about is the defense and if you look at it they're allowing the highest field goal percentage at the basket and also the highest number of attempts at the basket. So like their opponents have taken 39% of their shots in the restricted area, which is the highest opponent rate in the league. And Mm -hmm. that's not a good number. And then they're allowing those opponents to shoot 68% in the restricted area, which is the highest number in the league. So their rim protection has been awful so far. They've gotten by a little bit on opponents shooting poorly from the outside. We saw them play the Warriors the other day, and the Warriors couldn't make a shot. Yeah. Steph Curry went over 10. So their perimeter defensive numbers are a little deflated, I guess, if because of uh, some poor shooting from their opponents. Mm-hmm. Um, what's not a good sign is how poorly they're protecting the rim. And, and the most important thing you can do defensively is protect the basket because those are – as 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 much as teams are increasing the number of threes they're shooting, the most valuable shots on the floor are still those at the basket, and uh, that's the most important thing you can do defensively is protect the basket.
1: So, are you saying, and Lang, you you help me out here? that the money spent on that rim protector extraordinaire, Timothy Mozgov, was... was it's not
4: m- paying off yet. You know, it's early. You
1: know, it's, it's a, lo- it's a early. long game. It's
4: only eight games. The only one, we haven't played one-tenth of the season yet. But right, right. so far, not really.
1: Lang, you, you've you uh, enjoyed the Lakers this year, haven't you? I mean, you've enjoyed watching them.
2: Yeah, as soon as John was saying, you know, they've improved in both these stats, I was thinking, well, they they couldn't really go down <laughs> from where they were last year. I mean, it's like this is like Echo Fox. They they can't get worse, <laughs> than they have been. So, I, I knew that 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 was a, sort of a function of, of being as bad as they were the last uh, last year or so. Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah, I've said uh, pre, prior to this year, they were the first team in a 30 team league to rank in the bottom three defensively for three straight years. So, you know, other teams have done that. Other teams have done that, but not in a 30 team league. Like when you know when we had 23, 25 teams, right. Um, There was eight. Go Lakers, baby. (laughs) Since the Bobcats came into the league, no team is ranked in the bottom three defensively in three straight years. Um, The Lakers did that uh, each of the last three. Right now, they're 21st defensively, and I'm saying that might be a little bit inflated. So, you know, they're looking at another bottom 10 defensive uh, season uh, if they don't figure out how to protect the rim better.
1: Go Lakers. And go, John Schumann. Appreciate you, Shoe, with the Schumann stat this week. Let's try and get a little more positive next week. It's the season of giving. Come on, man. We were positive last
4: week. We'll go, we'll go, we'll
1: go off and on. Numbers never lie. Thanks, man. Appreciate you, Shoe. All
4: right, later.
1: John Schumann reigning on one parade. And now we got <laughs> bragging rights. Time for you to reign on another lane. It's time for bragging rights as the
0: guys put their rep on the line.
1: Put our reps on the line. I don't think we had reps anymore after. Who won bragging rights last year?
2: The champ is here.
1: Ridiculous. I guess we have to do this, unfortunately, and have to listen to you brag about winning this contest, which I want to recount. I don't remember you you winning the regular season title. Maybe you did. I don't know.
2: You might have won the popular vote, but the Electoral College (laughs) went my way. All right. We
1: got three games this week. What are our games this week, John?
4: Starring Friday night. Clippers going to OKC for the Thunder.
2: Nice. NBA TV action.
1: Yeah. Nice. The Clippers have been balling by the way.
2: Best record in the Western Conference yes. and they also I'm I'm in the middle of writing this NBA TV viewer guide by the way. They also uh the Clippers have won these games by an average of 16.9 points per game.
1: Nice. This is going to be a a knockdown drag out affair, but I'm going with the Clippers.
2: I'm going to go with the Thunder. I, I'm still all in on the Russell Westbrook MVP. Really? Um, yeah, it's it's the most fun thing for me to watch every game. It's just to watch Westbrook go one on five every game. Go, go Tasmanian devil on everybody! It's unbelievable. So I, I I'll go with the Thunder. All right.
4: Then we're going to Sunday, Hornets Cavaliers.
2: Hmm.
1: We're talking about the two teams that are at the top of the Eastern Conference. One and teams.
2: two. Yeah. Uh. Er, that Cleveland.
1: Yeah. You know what? Matt and A. I don't see – Cleveland's already lost to a, a wannabe Eastern Conference upstart rival this week. I can't see them dropping another one. I, I'm going to go – as much as I love the Hornets and my man Kimba Walker and what they're doing, I, I'm going to go with Cleveland.
2: I think Cleveland goes to the White House today. They get out of that focused. They come home, and they put the smack down on the Hornets.
4: All right, final one going all the way to next Wednesday, Warriors at Raptors.
2: Mm.
1: That's a dangerous place. That's yeah, that's a dangerous place for the Warriors. Um two tight games last year and DeMar DeRozan is balling, leading the league in scoring. Uh but Kevin Durant wasn't on those teams. Um I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb and rock with the Warriors. I'm gonna I'm gonna step out on that ledge.
2: Uh I think I will too. Um it's the start of a road trip for for the Warriors. But uh I think Golden State is going to uh, make a, a homecoming for, for Ayesha Curry and Steph up in <laughs> Toronto. Nice. Chef Curry with the pot. In the
1: six. All right. Well, that's bragging rights this week. Um, the champ is here, unfortunately, but let's hope he's dethroned. <laughs> All right, Lang. Well, look, um, bragging rights is back in the building Um uh, we talked to our main man, John Schumann. Big shouts to Bleacher Report senior writer Kevin Ding for talking West Coast basketball, LA hoops, the whole thing. Um, as always, great time here on the Hang Time Podcast, and we'll see you right here
2: next wait, wait, week. Wait, 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 wait! But people got to go. Wait a go minute! Subscribe.
1: I know. Wait, I'm getting to that. You keep right. You messing up my show here. Um, of course, <laughs> of course, subscribe on iTunes. Be sure to leave a positive, glowing review gushing about what we do here and there's a new episode every Thursday this season of the Hangtime Podcast.
2: Later.